Welcome, Church on the Rock. We're so excited you chose to worship with us today. If you notice, I'm in the sanctuary. Woohoo! It feels good to be in the sanctuary. Someday we're all going to be in here. That hope is alive. We're going to continue the fourth week in our series, Habits. And I trust that you've benefited from this series. I like what James Clear says in his book, Atomic Habits. He said that almost everybody has similar goals. If I was to ask a hundred of you, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish with your life? Most of us would say pretty much in the same form, the same thing. We'd say things like, we want to have great health, great relationships, good marriage. We want to be close to God. Man, I want to make a difference in the world. I want to be financially strong and very generous. Why is it that we have similar goals but very different results? It's because life equals the sum total of the little choices that we've made, rather good choices or bad choices. I don't know anybody, anyone in the world who plans or aspires or their goal is to live paycheck to paycheck, stressing over money, looking at their spouse and saying, you bought what? I don't know anyone that says, hey, I aspire to be overweight and have poor health, die young, miss my grandkids' marriage. Nobody's saying, man, I really aspire to be a raging addict out of control where I lose relationship with my marriage and the people that I love. Nobody's going to say, man, I just want a mediocre life. I don't want to have much drive or passion or desire. It doesn't matter how much I accomplish. Wasted life. It doesn't matter if I end life with regrets. Nobody is saying those types of things. Nobody aspires to be that way. We rarely end up at the wrong place because of one bad choice. People ruin their life one choice at a time, one, one bad step at a time, one day at a time, one bad habit of a, at a time. I don't know if you've noticed it, but people can summarize uh, their lifetime of bad decisions with just one sentence. Things like, he battled with weight, He died of a heart attack at 55, not realizing that it was a whole bunch of other bad choices and decisions that led up to that. Or have you noticed they summarize and say, man, that marriage, they just didn't get along, so they divorced after two years. There's so much more to that scenario. Or, man, he blew the big deal at work. He lost that contract, and so he was let go. No, no. It was a series of choices. It was a series of mistakes that led up to that. There's this guy in the Bible that I think had incredible potential that was given to him. But because of one bad decision, one step, one bad habit, one thing that he did in a moment of time, he ended up with a life that completely fell apart. And who I'm talking about today is Samson. And in Judges 16, we have one of those summary sentences that I'm talking about. If everybody would say one day, look at the people in your house and say one day. It says one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. A little bit of background on that. Gaza was a Philistine headquarters. It was the public enemy number one of Samson. They wanted to destroy this guy. 
and the other thing about Gaza is it was 25 miles from Samson's home in a town called Zorah. And you look at that story and how he went down to a place where they were his enemies. And he went down to a prostitute. And we think, man, how stupid to risk so much for a little bit of squeeze. But I'm telling you, many people do that on a day-to-day basis. But what I want to notice, you know, pastors, we only work one day a week on Sundays. So we have a lot of time. Just kidding on that. But I looked up 25 miles. How many steps would it take to go 25 miles? And the answer to that is 56,250 steps. So my point is this, that Samson took 56,250 steps in a direction that would be a downward spiral to him. That would be a life that led him to a life that was out of control. That ended up with destruction to the person and the potential that he had. Most of us don't wreck our lives all at once. We're like Samson. We do it one step at a time. One bad decision. One wrong step. One wrong choice. One bad habit we didn't get, at, at, get rid of. One day at a time, we consecutively do it. And that's why we're talking about this series, Habits. Habits are so important. And I hope that we're starting to establish some God-honoring habits. In week one and, talk, one and two, um, I challenged you to begin to look at who you want to become. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good pastor. I want to make a difference with my life. We looked at who we want to become in weeks one and two. And then the last time I preached on week three of habits, um, we talked about starting a good habit and how we do that. Today, based on who you want to become, whatever that might be, who do you want to become? With that, I pose the question, on the person that you want to become, what habit do you need to break? I like what James said in James chapter 1, verse 21. If you'll look at it on the screen with me. James said, so get rid of. Everybody say, so get rid of. Get rid of every filthy habit and all the wicked conduct that we do. And then he says, submit those things to God. Submit those things to God and accept the word of truth that he's planted inside of our hearts which is able to save us. God has a saving word. God has a word of hope that he puts in our heart. And when we begin to choose that word and submit our will and submit our habits to the Lord, then he begins to direct and establish our steps. I want to ask you a question. Why is it so hard to establish a good habit and so easy to establish a bad habit? Well, I think it's because good habits usually start very difficult. Good habits are really hard, and they're tough at first. And the payoff for a good habit is usually way down in the future. For instance, you want to become a jogger. You say, I'm going to start jogging. I'm going to start, I want to run a a 10K. Well, the alarm goes off. You get up in the morning. uh, You're tired. You were sleeping in, so that's tough. And then you're putting all your clothes on before work. And then you're running out the door and you're like, "Woo, man, it is cold out here. And so you're like already, it's already an uphill struggle to support that good habit. 
But then what happens is over a period of time of continuing with that consistency day after day, nine weeks later, nine weeks later, you're like, man, I've lost 10 pounds. Man, when I only could run a mile, now I'm running two miles. So the payoff is later. You know, a lot of times say, man, I want to go to church. I want to start contributing. I want to start, I don't want to sleep in anymore. But then you're working on Saturday and you have a late night on Saturday and the alarm goes off and you're like, oh man, it's church time. It's my only day off. It, it seems like, man, that's a hard decision. That's a tough thing to do. But you go ahead and do that good habit anyway. And what happens is months later, you're closer to God. You're closer to people. Your marriage is better. Your life is better. And there's a peace, a supernatural peace that you didn't have before. So that's why, because the payoff for good habits is usually in the future. Now on bad habits, bad habits are opposite. Bad habits give a perceived, I want, you to, I want to emphasize perceived. Bad habits gives us the perceived benefit that there's an immediate benefit or something gratifying immediate. And we don't see that the negative result is later. Uh, almost all bad, bad habits, it, 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 if you don't say sin is fun at the beginning, it, it, it is fun. It, it, if you can't say it isn't, then you either weren't doing it right or you're lying. Because there's an there's a instant benefit a lot of times on the things that aren't good for us. But there's a negative result later. For instance, you get stressed out. You sneak out of your office and you grab a cigarette or, or you do a vape. Instantly, it relieves the stress. It really does. There's a rush that goes through your body and almost a calm. But then decades later, we realize that our lungs are messed up and that we can't breathe well. So there was an instant gratification, but later it wasn't a good payoff. Or you could be the customer of the year at the all-you-could-eat Chinese buffet. And man, when you've had a hard day and when you're down or lonely, man, it does bring an immediate comfort. And it feels real good while you're eating it. But that night when you have heartburn and years later when you're overweight and you're faced with diabetes and things like that, then it doesn't seem so appealing at that time. So why is it that it's hard to establish a good habit and so easy to establish a bad habit? I think it's because bad habits give you that instant gratification, but a good habit is that gratification that lasts a lifetime. So last week, last time I preached, we, started, we talked about how to start a good habit. Well, let's talk this week how to break a good habit. How do we break a good habit? The uh, how do you break a bad habit, excuse me? How do you break a bad habit? The first thing is you need to acknowledge it. Write this down if you're taking notes. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. I want to say that again. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. you got to call things what they are. Maybe you're struggling with a bad habit and you have an attitude to where you have a critical spirit or a complaining heart or a gossiping tongue. Don't say, well, I'm just putting people down so we can pray for them. Say, no, I've got a gossip. I have a bad habit of a gossiping tongue. Call it what it is. If you have an eating disorder to where the, the sweets and the fast food and the snacks and the chocolate and the carbs or, or, the, or the sugar, whatever it is, call it what it is. This is a bad habit I need to break. Maybe you have a digital bad habit that you need to break. 
Maybe you're a video gamer that you're spending way too much time when you need to be with your family or, or about work. Or maybe it's social media to where you're, it's scroll, scroll, click, click, scroll, scroll, and the next thing you know, hours are spent. Maybe it's binge watching, binge watching, too much time on Netflix, or you're addicted to your mobile device. You know, some people can't let go of their phone for a minute because they have an anxiety disorder like, man, I got to get my phone back. So maybe that's something. Maybe it's digital or maybe it's substance. Maybe it's sugar or nicotine or an illegal substance or, or, or a legal substance, a prescribed drug, whatever it is. But what habit, what bad habit, what's not good for us, not, not, what's not working for our benefit based on who you want to become, Based on that person that you want to be, what one habit do you need to break and begin to break this week? So how do we break a bad habit? Well, we said a couple weeks ago the way that we start a good habit is to make, make it obvious and to make it easy. That's how you make a good habit. Make it obvious, keep it in front of you, and make it easy, make it obtainable. So if we're going to break a bad habit, it needs to be opposite of that. We need to make it very difficult to do. I want you to say that to the people in your room. Make it very difficult to do. Make a bad habit really, really hard to do. Set up boundaries. Set up, set up stops. Set up things that will keep you from doing those things. Make it really, really hard to do. You know, some people talk about willpower. We've only got so much willpower. We've only got so much willpower to, to, to do the right thing. You know, even with energy, we only have so much energy. When it depletes, we're tired. Even with decisions, we only have so much ability to make decisions, then even that gets fatigued. So you can't just go on, I'll have willpower to break a bad habit. It takes more than willpower. God says that he gives us both the, the desire to do it, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You know, breaking a habit, breaking that bad habit, we need to make it very difficult, really, really hard, hard, hard to do. Remember a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the habit loop? Braden's going to put it on the screen on the habit loop. You'll see that there's a trigger or a cue and then you'll see the arrow that it goes to action or response. And then you'll see a reward. That's how a habit loop is made, whether good or bad. But, but the example of that is like with a cell phone. When, you, when we first got cell, cell phones, we had a cue or a trigger. It would buzz or it would ring. And then we would pick up our cell phone and look at it. And then our response would be to text or learn how to text. And we had to think about it. And we had to do it over and over. But then the reward was we felt connected or we felt socially accepted, whatever it might be, be for you. But we see that habit loop to where many of us have a habit to where we can control and we can be on our cell phones without even thinking about it. That's how you make a habit with trigger, action, and reward. So breaking a habit, that's, that's talking about making a good habit. So in breaking a bad habit, we need to remove the trigger, remove the cue, remove the trigger, 
and then interrupt or change our action and our response, and then we get a better reward. I want to say that again. In breaking bad habits, we need to remove the trigger, remove the trigger, remove the cue, and interrupt the action or the response, consciously interrupt it with the right response, with the godly response, with the word response, and then we will have the greater reward. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, uh, verse 14 through 15, it says, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked. Don't set your foot on the path of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of the, of the evildoers. Evil Avoid it. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go a different way. So we see right there that the scripture's encouraging us to remove that trigger. Remove that trigger. Avoid it. Don't get on that path. Avoid that cue. Avoid that trigger. You know, to remove the trigger and interrupt the action, there's five triggers that I want to talk about today. You can re be triggered by a place. You can be triggered by a time. You can be triggered by a certain mood. You can be triggered by a moment. Or you might be triggered, the last one, by people. I want to do the first two together. Again, remove the trigger and interrupt the action. Let's talk about place. Place. We don't overeat at the gym or we don't get high at church. But, but when we go to a Super Bowl party, we might overeat and we might get high because we're in the wrong place. Let's look at time. We don't look at at porn or we don't uh, binge on Netflix if we're in life group but late at night when we're bored or we're lonely or we're alone or we're mad at why at our wife that's when we take that place in time and do that thing so what we got to do is we got to remove that trigger remove that trigger you know David was in the wrong place at the wrong time the place that he should have been was on the, battle with his, on the battlefield with his soldiers, but he stayed at home. And then the time is he was up on his uh, balcony of his, of his house, and he saw Bathsheba bathing naked on the roof of her self, so on the roof of her uh, home. So we see that David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So if he can remove that trigger or the cue, if he'd have been at the right place, if he'd have been at the right time, then he wouldn't have went through what he did as a person. And then we also say moods. Moods, experts teach us this. I want you to write this down, HALT, H-A-L-T. Moods, I am vulnerable when I'm H, when I'm hungry. When you're hungry, you're vulnerable to this mood, you're vulnerable. Or when you're A, angry, when you're angry is when bad habits begin to take place. <clears throat> L is lonely. H-A-L, L is when you're lonely or when you're uninspired. And then T is when you're tired. So if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that is the, the devil's uh, playground for instigating a place that you can experience and do bad habits and then number four is moment the fourth trigger is moment and that's when you do the same thing in that moment of time every time this happens this moment happens you do this after you have a fight with your husband 
You call that girlfriend that, that will tell you what you want to hear and you have a bashing party on your husband. Or after the softball going, you'll go out and drink and you'll do it this time and the next time and you did it the last time. That's at the moment after the softball team, you always do that. That's a habit you always do and you end up drinking too much and doing dumb things. Remove the trigger. And then after you flunk a test, you smoke pot. After you pass the test, you might smoke pot. Or after you skip the test, you might smoke pot. But the problem is at that moment, you always turn to that substance. So we got to remove that trigger and we got to interrupt and put a new response. And I hate to say this, but people, do you know the wrong people can, can trigger and lead us in a wrong direction? The wrong people can do that. Just as right people can trigger and lead us into the right direction. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 13 verse 20, it says, Walk with the wise, fellowship with the wise, for a companion of the fool does wrong things or suffers harm. So if you walk with the wise, you do the right wise thing. If you walk with the fool, you can do the foolish thing. My closest friends at Church on the Rock, if I think of my handful of closest friends, we all have the same desires in life. We love God. We're very involved in church. They're honorable. They're disciplined. Their marriages are good. Their families are amazing. They're very positive. They live within the means of their finances, and they're kind, and they're caring, and they're very generous. When I'm around that type of people, it's easier for me. Wow, what a difference it would be if I was around people that were addicted to video games or bad marriages or gossiping and not honor, honorable and they're, they're not positive and they're always tearing life down or tearing me down or tearing others down or they bring their drama into my life. What that does is that begins to pull me down. I want to tell you it's almost impossible to live a right life with wrong friends the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts, corrupts good character. Bad people, bad company, the people you associate with corrupts the good character that you're wanting to do. To break good habits, we have to remove the trigger, remove that trigger, and then interrupt that action with the right response. Let me just give you some simple and practical things. If you're trying to get up early and read your word or, or, or jog or, or do exercise um, and you hit the snooze button four times and you don't get out of bed, just simply move the clock across the, the, the room or put the phone on the other side of the room. If you're overspending on Amazon, give your friend a password that you can't do that. You can't make a buy until they see it. If you're inappropriate with your phone, um, have it locked down. Give your password to somebody. Tell them to check it. The Bible says when we resist, why would you resist temptation tomorrow if you have the power to eliminate it today? I want to say that again. Why would you resist the temptation tomorrow if you can eliminate it today? The Bible says in Matthew 5, 29, if your eye offends you, or causes you to lust, gouge it out. Throw it away. If your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. In other words, remove that trigger. Remove that trigger. 
The habits that you have today will shape who you want to become tomorrow. Do you like the direction that your life is going? Do you like the person that you're becoming and the person that you are? If you're doubting it or if you're wondering about it, what you can do is begin to play it forward. Begin to play forward the, the, the bad choices and the negative things. And if you continue on that road and you continue on those choices, play it out and see where it would take you. Because right now it's no big deal because not one decision can just destroy everything that you have. But now you can do something about it. Now you can not only remove that trigger, you can interrupt that action, you can interrupt that response. Don't get to the end of your life with a regret and where you're saying, I wish I would have. I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. If I would have only forgiven him, if I had only forgiven her, I could have been happier. I wish I'd have never started that or, or began to do that situation because I had no idea how it would ruin my life. Brothers and sisters, you can remove that trigger and you can interrupt that action. You know, when you feel weak, you can say, man, I'm gonna remove that trigger and I'm gonna say, when I'm weak, he is strong. Christ in me is stronger and he can give me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. We can say, man, we got 56,250 steps, choices or decisions in my life that I can stop and I can turn it around right now and I can set that good habit to be that person that God wants me to be. Who do I want to become? We need to start some habits and we need to break some habits. Never under, underestimate how God can start something special in you. The Bible says in Zechariah verse, chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Do not despise small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices. I want you to see that the Lord is rejoicing with you when he sees that you're beginning the right choices and the right work begins. Evidence will start to build up to that. That's who you really are. Every time you work out, you will become that athlete. Every time you practice instruction and you work on your guitar, your piano, you will be that musician. Every time you pray with your kids, you will be that godly dad. Every time you love your wife like Christ loved the church, you will have that godly marriage. Every time you serve and give and you love people, you will become that ambassador of Christ. You will be a devil-kicking, God-honoring, overcoming Christian that God has called you to be. Let's, let's do something today. Let's remove some triggers. Let's change some actions and responses. And let's begin to enjoy the rewards of that Christian life and fellowship that God has for us. God bless you.